0: This is the Fathom Academy podcast, a ministry of Fathom Church in Littleton, Colorado. Fathom Academy seeks to provide resources to help people go deeper with God. I'm Luke Jackson, the worship minister at Fathom, and on this episode, you guys are going to hear a talk on something I think a lot of folks have questions about. Every year, our women's ministry here at Fathom hosts a number of different get-togethers, And one of our most popular ones has been the Mug and Muffin event. Everyone brings their favorite mug, eats some great breakfast spread, and hears from a variety of speakers that are here to edify, encourage, and challenge the women at Fathom Church. I asked this year, because we had an in-house speaker, if I could share this talk with the Fathom Academy followers, and we all agreed that it would be a great resource. Our very own Marcy Martin, who is in fact Chris Martin's wife, shares her story in regards to suffering. Her story deals primarily with health struggles and suffering physically, but she dives into some great truths in regards to suffering in any situation and how she has been walking through that with the Lord as well as with her family. If you're encouraged by this episode, feel free to click that share button and send it to a friend or a family member who maybe is going through a similar season or has similar questions about suffering. I know I was blessed by this talk and I hope you are too. So without further ado, here's the audio from the 2018 Mug and Muffin event with Fathom Women's Ministry.
1: Um, before we get started, I just want to thank my team um, who helped plan this and food and decor. Um, this was an idea four weeks ago, and they made it happen. So, yeah, pretty crazy, huh? So, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge a few people, my mama, Mary, and Jeannie, and Erin, and where are you, Angela? Angela, (laughs) and Becca, and Joan, are you in here, Joan? There, oh, there you are, Joan, and Joan, um, and my my table host, I just thank you guys for making this happen, um, and that we could be here together, so like Jeannie said, feel free to go get more food, we have a lot of food, so go back, it's okay while I'm talking to go get food, and we have five gallons of coffee, so we need to, like, get going on that, so um, yeah, so feel free during my talk to do that. So like Jeannie said, my name's Marcy Martin. Uh, my husband, Chris, is the lead pastor here at Fathom. Um, he's the more hairy half of the family. Um, <laughs> thanks to my esthetician at Beau who waxes my mustache occasionally. So that's good. little free fact for you today. Um, so, but I'm really happy that you guys are here this morning and... to spend your morning here with us instead of watching Prince Harry's Wedding. I I have, oh, good for you. Go Toby. (laughs) I have a confession. Chris is recording it for me, so I can watch it later. So I don't know what type of week you have had. For some of you, this has been a Hallmark movie type of week. And for some of you, this has been a kick you in the teeth, punch you in the gut type of week. But I'm seriously so glad you're here, regardless of what your week has looked like. So like Jeannie shared, what I wanted to share with you this morning is um, some of my story, and specifically what's been going on this past year. Today, what I'm going to be talking about isn't anything new or profound. Sorry, you're not going to have your Oprah moment, probably. Um, But I just know the importance of sharing our stories and allowing others to walk with us during the mundane, but also in the seasons of suffering. I have a story to share. We all have stories to share and that we need to share. So I don't know what you see when you look at me. Maybe you see a hyper-organized, clean-cut, got-it-all-together kind of girl from Littleton. Or maybe you see a hot mess of a girl with big hair, too much mascara, and a tired-looking mama. But if you only really knew, my story and my family's story includes learning disabilities, alcoholism, drug addiction, difficult family relationships, paralyzing fear and anxiety, verbally abusive past relationships, miscarriage, shattered career dreams, and chronic health issues. My story has a lot of mess, but it's also a story of God's amazing faithfulness, goodness, and redemption in my life. We always joke we're one episode away from being on Dog the Bounty Hunter. If you know who he is, you'll get the joke. We know we won't get through this life without pain, suffering, and trials. But these last nine years have proved me wrong in every aspect of what I believed about suffering. What I want to share today is part of my story of physical suffering, day after day, chronic, debilitating, no end in sight. I know suffering is meaningful, and it's doing something much greater. 10 years ago, I was Christmas shopping with my dad and Chris. Online shopping hadn't taken off yet, no Amazon Prime. You just wander around the mall or wherever, trying to find that perfect gift, and once you found it, you knew you had success. So shopping with these two is always an adventure. They do their best to embarrass me in any way possible. (laughs) So that day we had lots of laughs, we found some mediocre gifts for, for family and friends, and after our shopping trip, we went out to have a meal Shortly after eating, I had a wave of dizziness that went through my head, which has remained and has been constant these past almost 10 years. Unable to function, I made an appointment with my primary care about two weeks after. I naively thought it was probably some weird virus or bacteria and they'll give me some medication and bam, I'll be back to normal. Well, that appointment was the beginning of a long road of doctors, tests, procedures, that all ended in the exact same way. Mrs. Martin, everything looks normal. I'm not sure what's causing your symptoms. Maybe you should go see such and such. They can help you. So we picked a system of the body and went for it. We exhausted one system of the body and went to the next. Dozens and dozens of blood draws. CT scans and MRIs, too many to count. It's amazing the first time that you sit in an MRI tube, how scared you are. But after a while, it becomes routine and something almost normal. You know the protocol. You get numb. You don't really feel any emotion at all. After several years of this, you truly begin to feel like a testing guinea pig. Did these harebrained doctors really know anything they went to medical school right they should be able to help me many treated me as if I was a total nut job and so much for me feeling like I was fearfully and wonderfully made month after month year after year I continued to feel awful I honestly was just trying to make it through the day in hopes that maybe God would be like a genie in a bottle and poof I'm fixed and back to normal that wouldn't be the case. My illness continued to take away things such as a teaching career, starting a family, friendships, simple tasks like driving or grocery shopping. That feeling of being alone and isolation slowly crept its way into my life. Fear and anxiety is something I've always struggled with, took a hold, and it dug in deep to my heart and my mind. Fast forward a few years, I made the decision that I may just be chronically sick, right? Plenty of people do that. This isn't going to hinder my plans. They can live their lives. We made the decision to get pregnant. I had always wanted children. I was kind of a career gal, but not really. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mama. But we, we weren't sure with my mysterious health issues how this would play out. Maybe pregnancy would make this dizziness worse. Taking a leap into this world of trying for a baby made me more anxious than I was before. Thoughts raced through my head. How am I ever going to take care of this little one feeling this crummy? Could pregnancy make this worse? If we do have kids, am I going to be able to care for them the way they should? Or will my health affect this like it has everything else in my life? Will I be able to take them to the zoo or Disneyland? If they don't have these experiences, will they fail in life? And the list goes on and on. Well, in 2013, I was pregnant, and we were excited, only to result in a miscarriage. Those were such dark, sad, and lonely time. Sorry. Each miscarriage story is so different. And to those of you who have lost a baby, I mourn with you. I'm grateful I had my husband and my family and Jesus to walk through that hard season of loss. And shortly after, we got pregnant with our sweet Harper Ruth. So we have a picture of Harper. There she is. No words can accurately describe this precious gift to me. But like all new parents, having a baby for the first time is like a deer in the headlights. You're stunned. You're exhausted. You honestly wonder, what the heck did we get ourselves into? Your hormones are crazy. You yell at your husband for eating a blueberry muffin. True story. So as we adjusted and eased into our new roles as parents, I continued over the next few years to feel worse. I didn't think I actually could feel worse, and then I did. But I powered through trying to be a good mama to my Harper girl. Then last June, I had some more inner ear testing done. After a few days after the test, I went downhill and I went downhill fast. I spent this last summer flat on my back, day after day. Too dizzy to function, let alone care for my Harper and Chris. My mama stepped into a role as our Grammy nanny. She's taking applications. She's great, so (laughs) you can hit her up. She would care for Harper while I laid there looking how dirty my windows were and spiraling down into a hopeless feeling of, this is the rest of my life. Over the summer, they tried six different medications to treat what they thought was a migraine, all of which did nothing. And one of the medications actually changed the chemicals in my brain and made me want to end my life. After withdrawing from that medication, about three weeks, which was terrible, we had a lead with an ENT doctor here in Denver who believed I may have a cranial spinal leak, which isn't supposed to happen, in case you didn't know. Uh, Beginning of January, we have some pictures. So that's scan. These are just some medical ones. That's from a colonoscopy I had to do. So, (laughs) 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 woo! So these are some of my testing pictures from January. Beginning of January, I endured two days of testing hell. This testing was absolutely brutal. They began by doing a lumbar puncture on me, injecting contrast dye and radioactive material, into my spinal fluid. They then proceeded to shove, shove six pledgets, those are the beautiful things coming out of my nose, (laughs) into all of my sinus cavities, in which they had hoped that the radioactive tracers that they had injected would leak through onto the pledgets over the next 48 hours. During this time, I would have six scans that were an hour long each, to measure the radioactive material. So I don't know if you've ever had radioactive material injected into your spinal fluid, but let me tell you, the pain was so much that I vomited, I cried, and I vomited some more. So thank you, nurses. The results came back positive. I did indeed have a cranial spinal leak. I was leaking from my ethmoid roof, So for those of you who are not medical professionals, it's the sinus area that's located right up here in between your eyebrows, like back in your head. So on January 31st, I had a four-hour surgery to correct this. Having a CSF leak is extremely complicated. It's not a quick fix. And here I am, enduring an extremely long road of recovery, and still feeling physically bad. Even though my story of suffering continues and will continue till Jesus takes me home, I know in the midst of pain, he will give me the joy and strength to endure. Because of my constant dizziness and headaches, I spend a fair amount of time on our couch. Our couch cushions have actually formed my body. No joke, <laughs> we need a new couch maybe. Um, <laughs> But spending my days there has forced me to completely stop, to be still, and to think. Most of my thoughts that I've had honestly on that couch have been ones of fear and anxiety about the future, about God's plan for my life, about never getting better, about being a good mama to Harper, about being a good wife to Chris. What if I'm, this is one of my thoughts I had, what if I'm not well enough to go buy towels at Bed Bath & Beyond when Harper goes to college? Now I can see that's a silly thought to have, but in the midst, it seems so serious. Can I really live like this the rest of my life? I continue to analyze these things normally until I'm sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, straight up ugly cry, not sure what snot and boogers, you guys know, or (laughs) snot and tears, you guys know what I'm talking about which, of course, has gotten me nowhere. And yet there have been times where I've had the deepest, intimate, sweetest moments where the Lord has met me like never before. Right there on my couch. I mean an eerie, undeniable moments with Jesus. These times he has revealed to me sin in my heart that I didn't know was there. My struggle in fear and anxiety, my lack of trusting in Him, how controlling I am, and ultimately how much I lack true joy and contentment in my life. I'm certain I would have not recognized this if I were not flat on my back with nothing else to do. In a way, it kind of feels stupid to say, in a way, this has been a gift. In the places where no one really understands my life or my circumstances, God has allowed a holy loneliness that has forced me to run to him and to confide in him more than ever. One of the most important things I have learned and I'm still learning through suffering is joy and contentment where God has me. I read this quote from a book called Daring to Hope, the book we're actually going to do for book club this summer. And it feels like it was written just for me. All right, like I said, I was just getting ready to read um, that quote from the book that we're going to read for book club called Daring to Hope. And it feels like it truly was written for me. It says, when we cannot find joy in our circumstances, we can find joy in God who is unchanged and unchanging. We can rejoice not in what is going on around us or within us, but because God is our strength and he will continue to be. I could go on and on and on about what I've learned and what God has revealed to me. I do know I've made the decision I can become bitter or I can know him better. And I truly want to know him better. I truly want to be an expert in how good God has been to me. And oh, how I can see how he has. One of the biggest things suffering has taught me is that I've been a Jesus user. Let me explain that a bit. He has been merely a useful tool to me. When life gets extra hard, we tend to write down something inspirational or a quick verse and say a prayer, and bam. We expect things to be perfect again. Why had I believed my whole life that ease and success, gifts and miracles, smiling faces, and my plans fulfilled meant the Lord's blessing or favor? The blessings of God also abound in the darkest nights and the deepest valleys. If we have eyes to see, I have such a twisted view of how a relationship with the Lord works most of the time and what he wants from me. I use him when the storms of suffering are smacking me in the face and I'm choking on the waves of life. When the storm settles, I get too comfortable again. And once again, I become a Jesus user. When Jesus has been just useful to me, I'm looking for a genie in the bottle to give me the life I want. I want him to move my world. I could care less about his world. When he is ultimate to me, it's my heart that has moved. And that begins to change the world. Nothing will happen this year or years to come apart from him. Nothing will be remade. Nothing will be transformed. Nothing will be satisfying apart from him. The Lord wants me to trust him, not just with the small things, but the big, enormous things that may not get better. He wants me to cling to all he has promised and that I will rest in knowing that that will always be enough. Even when my strength is lost and I can't find the words, he wants me to praise him because he has been holding me faithfully through these trials. He wants an honest, humble, ready-to-be-broken relationship with me. It's not about my productivity. It's about my heart. In wrestling, he makes us who we are meant to be in him It isn't easy and it isn't pain-free, but man, it can be glorious. In the storms of suffering, I've learned how to love people better. I've always had a tender heart towards people and a genuine care for others, but there's a difference between feeling love and showing love. The Lord has revealed through suffering that I haven't always loved people how I should. Relationships are tricky. They're messy. They're often set, a lot of times, one-sided. It's easy to justify our love for people. We make it conditional in a lot of cases. God has taken me to a place and revealed I need to get my eyes off my suffering and serve others while I wait. It's so easy when you're experiencing suffering to become self-focused instead of others-focused. For me, suffering has created an urgency to make people important. I don't know when I'm going to have terrible, flat on my back days or weeks. I don't know when I'm going to have good days. But when I have those better days, you bet I'm taking the bull by the horns and taking the day on. So if that means putting my target run on hold so I can take dinner to a friend, or family in need, I'll do it. If a loved one needs to talk on the phone, I can pause my Netflix show and sacrifice my me time to talk. If my daughter wants to play Candyland for the billionth time, I will sacrifice dinner being on the table and that load of laundry that's already gone through the dryer six times. (laughs) My to-do list usually can wait. And on the days I just can't function flat on my back, it's become a time for me to pray for others, check in on others, and let them know I care right from my couch. Finally, suffering has revealed to me how vital and important it is to allow others into our suffering in the day-to-day of life. I don't know why we struggle with this so much, Maybe it's fear, pride, shame, past hurts. Maybe we have allowed ourselves to be too busy, especially as women. (laughs) Whatever the case may be, can we just stop this already? We are actually doing a disservice to the church as a whole and the community within. God's design never intended We do this thing by ourselves. We have it all backwards, I'm convinced. We need a community that can walk alongside of us in the pain and the storms of life. We need encouragement and truth to remind us of God's faithfulness and goodness when we are believing the lies. For several years, I struggled silently in our community, and I'm the pastor's wife, which was my own fault. I was trying to be too strong. I didn't want to inconvenience anyone. In case you didn't know, being too strong is exhausting. Our hearts and strength will fail us during storms of suffering. When our hearts and strength fail us and we don't have community to endure these heavy storms of suffering, we're going to end up drowning. Community keeps us afloat, helps us thank Jesus even when the pain is deep. The last three years, I have allowed others to enter into suffering and what feels like a constant storm in my life. This is a scary thing to allow. I can see the beautiful design of community and how the church is supposed to function. A side note, some of you have experienced the opposite of how the church should function, and I'm sorry that you have. Especially this last year, God has provided several of you women right here in this room to journey with me, and you have loved me so very well. Simple things like texting me a worship song, a verse, leaving Starbucks on my front porch, providing meals, which seems like you kept my family fed for the past year. Makes my cooking seem awful, so... (laughs) Thanks, you've set the bar high at my house. Um, Offering to come scrub my toilets, the list could go on. Words can't describe my gratitude for that. Many times the Lord provided encouragement for me through these simple everyday things. Many days laying on my couch in a pit of feeling frustrated, downright sad, my phone would ding. And wouldn't you know, it was a verse from a friend or a song that encouraged me greatly. I would slowly creep out of my self-pity pit, feeling like I could face the day. I felt like Rocky Balboa. (laughs) I could do anything. That anything meant laying on the couch, flat, laying my worries and sadness down at Jesus' feet, finding joy and gratitude in the mundane. These things helped me refocus, shift my perspective, and move on with my day. Community within the church keeps us focused on God's story. In Jenny Allen's book, Nothing to Prove, she talks about how the enemy likes to distract us and discourage us. I just thought this quote was so good that I was going to steal it and read it to you today. So bear with me, it's a little long. If I were your enemy, I would make you numb and distract you from God's story. Technology, social media, Netflix, travel, food, wine, comfort. I would not tempt you with notably bad things. I would distract you with everyday comforts that slowly feed you a different story and make you forget God. If that didn't work, I would attack your identity. I would make you believe you had to prove yourself. Then you would focus on yourself instead of God. Friends would become enemies. Teammates would become competition. You would isolate yourself and think you are not enough. You would get depressed and ungrateful for your story. Or you could compare and believe you are better than others. You would gossip and destroy and tear down the work of God. Either way, you lose your joy because your eyes would be fixed on yourself instead of on Jesus. And when we suffer, the enemy tries to convince us that maybe you would think God is evil rather than good. Your faith would shrink. You would get bitter and weary and tired rather than flourish and grow and become more like Christ. You would try to control your life rather than step into the plans he has for you. I just thought that quote was so point on. And I just totally, that last part about suffering, I could relate to. Can I just say, I'm tired of being distracted. I'm tired of being too strong. And I'm tired of carrying these burdens alone. When I'm focused on God's story for my life, I can weather the storms of suffering. I'm not saying air out all your laundry all at once, but what I'm talking about is being vulnerable enough to engage and be truthful when someone asks, hey, how are you doing? Not giving the standard. I'm great. I know a lot of us do that. (laughs) What about being vulnerable enough to join one of the women's studies or a D group, or join an activity this summer or better yet, ask someone to meet up for a coffee or a walk. Of course, it's going to be weird and awkward and uncomfortable the first time. I promise you, if you continue to engage and strive to be involved, some beautiful, sweet relationships will flourish. Being vulnerable isn't the same thing as being helpless, defensive, de- defenseless, and weak. Vulnerability within a relationship is what keeps you close. Being vulnerable when someone says to them that you, are, that you value them, that you welcome them into your life, all parts, the good, the bad, and the straight up ugly. My desire for the women of Fathom and for all of you in this room this morning is that we will be women that have each other's backs, regardless of the past storms or the present. Can we women know God so deeply that we are experts in how good he has been to us? Can we be so thirsty for his word that we can speak biblical truths into each other's lives when we're believing the lies? We need to fight for each other. We need to believe in each other. We need to listen to each other. We need to pray for each other. When we become women who own our own stories, and become more vulnerable about our lives, Jesus's grace and mercy will take center stage. And when Jesus is in the center, instead of our perfectly polished selves, we can stand before him. Our husbands, our friends, our children, let all our junk out and know he will get the glory, not us. Let's strive to fight and spur one another on to find God's goodness in the broken and beautiful of this life. Thank you for letting me share what's been on my heart, and um, I love and care for each and every one of you, and I just want to pray a a quick little prayer that I had written in my journal a little while back, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for stories, and I thank you for my story specifically. And um, thank you for all these women here this morning. I pray for all of us that we wouldn't let our pain be wasted. Use it to conform us to your image. Use it to teach us how to be content. Lord, help us be grateful and joyful as we wait. Help us be patient in affliction. And help us continue to be faithful in prayer.
0: Amen. Man, that was great. Sometimes I think when we're in a season of suffering, it's hard to remember that you're not alone in it. I really enjoyed the part where Marcy talked about the people who surrounded her in the littlest of ways that spoke huge significance in her season of suffering. And I'm sure some of us are nodding our heads, being reminded of people who loved on us or served us in such thoughtful ways During a season of healing or recovery, or maybe after experiencing a loss, your community plays a huge role. Well, I hope this episode has been encouraging and challenged you to go deeper in your relationship with God. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to this podcast. You can always catch up on previous episodes of our Fathom Academy podcast by downloading the Fathom app, which is free in all app stores, or searching for Fathom Academy on your favorite podcast app. As always, if you have ideas of what you'd like to hear on this podcast or questions, you can email podcast at fathomchurch.org. I'm looking forward to a number of really cool episodes we have coming your way over the summer. So keep your eyes peeled and hit that subscribe button so it delivers it to you without you having to think about it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.